Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, <clears throat> the Son of Man cometh. Are you watching? Well, I'll tell you what you should be watching for on this part two edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and I do thank you for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. The question is, are you watching the events the Bible tells us to be looking for? You know, I started this program yesterday, and I thought, man, I've got so much more information, and I might have to do part two or part three tomorrow. We'll see what happens here, but there's so many things we're supposed to be watching for right now but I want to cover the number one thing that you should be concerned about now that we know we're in the end times. The things we're watching for, world government, world religion, precursors of the mark of the beast, an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, uh, World War III, all of these prophecies, great end time revival, many things that we're supposed to be watching for. What's the number one? Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. There will be many people that go out into eternity this afternoon right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Think about that. Nobody's even promised tomorrow morning. So Jesus said, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not what hour the Lord doth come, whether in the rapture or should he call one of us home today. But he goes on to say, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, your life's just going along as normal and you think everything's going all right, and then the Lord says, I'm going to take you today. The Bible says, in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wager that the majority of people listening to me today, whether it's a friend, a co-worker, somebody that you knew or read about in the paper, died suddenly. And we would all like to think we'll make it to the rapture, right? But... Many people uh, will go by the way of the grave. So, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he calleth, shall find so doing, being diligent about their house. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in my heart, ah, the Lord's going to delay his coming. I'm not really worried about getting ready right now because, hey, I've got time. Right? It's a dangerous position. 
Verse 49 says, And shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink and become drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. So I'm telling you today, you better watch. You better be sober. Make yourself ready for the coming of the Lord, whether that's this afternoon or whether we make it to the rapture. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, he, I've heard him say a million times, it seems like, I'll see you in the rapture. Well, guess what? He will see us in the rapture. But he's going to be coming out of a grave. Perhaps I won't make it to the rapture. Perhaps I'll go by the way of the grave. I don't know. And I think it was left a gray area in all of our minds because the Lord wanted us to be ready at all times. We may not have 5, 10, 20 years to, to live until the rapture. I don't know. But verse 51, verse let's go back to verse 50. It says, The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder. This is the one that said, Oh, I've got time. I'm not really worried about it right now. I don't have to watch. I don't have to be sober because... You know, the Lord's going to delay us coming. I'm not really worried about it. The Bible says the Lord will come for him and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You say, wow, Dave, there's a lot of gravity to that, those verses. There absolutely is. But a lot, a, a, a lot of people, I deal with people on every level all day long. Emails calls, um, global correspondence of people that we're working with overseas and many different things. But I want to make sure that you are watching for the things that you're supposed to be watching for. And we'll get deep off into this and many other things before it's over with world government and all kinds of things. First, let me mention First Cup Coffee. You know, First Cup Coffee, they're a, a, a a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of the great state of Texas. They've got 11 different roasts, and each one's named after a specific piece of American history. You can get one of the roasts ground, whole bean, even pods for your Keurig machine. Ditch the grocery store coffee that has been sitting for, on your shelves for up to years and years and years, right? Go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll give you an additional 10% off. Go to firstcup.com. Use code ENDTIME to get 10% off today. It's very good coffee, by the way. All right, so why has this come to my attention? Now, obviously, this topic of being ready to meet the Lord, it's always on my radar because I want to make sure that I'm ready. I was praying this morning, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, if there's any way in me that is not pleasing in your eyes, maybe I've got a, a blind spot over here that I can't, see something that's in my life that I, I, maybe, I've, uh, maybe I've developed a callus over it or something. I don't know. But I was asking the Lord today, show me that so I can, if, it do, if it's not pleasing to you, I can weed it out of my life. Because I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to be born again. I want to be a saved individual. And I want to make it should He call me home today or if I make it to the rapture. Now, I've talked to many people over the years that that's not even on their radar. They're like, Dave, what are you talking about? Well, it, it come home again to me today 
when I was reading the Christian Post. And in a January 11th post on X, there was a, an author named, her name was Joyce Carol Oates. She responded to a podcast co-host, Sam Adler Bell's suggestion that she needs to read the Bible. And this is what she said. Listen to her response. Oh, the Bible, as you call it, is just a work of fiction, or rather, an anthology of fic fictions, just a, a, a bunch of myths and fairy tales. Now, oh my goodness, I've had people tell me that over the years, and I'm almost, I'm, I'm just struck with a sense of shock, like, you have got to be kidding me. You don't believe the Bible is the absolute, true, infallible Word of God? And so I'm, uh, what are we talking about here today? What are the things you should be concerned about? Because I want you to take heed today and know your Bible. You can't believe like this woman that says, well, hey, that it's just a bunch of myths and fairy tales. That's just fiction. Listen, everybody, the Bible foretells just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's going to be an establishment of both a world government and a world religion. And, the, and I, we're watching it happening right now, right before our very eyes. The leader of the world religion, the false prophet, will use a deceptive message. People will believe the messages coming from this false religious leader. Yes, he's going he's to seem religious. Not everything that seems religious is religious is the truth. It's very, very important. There are major Christian religions right now. They, they call themselves Christian that are allowing things that are diametrically opposed to the Bible into their churches and into their pulpits and condoning that. So this false prophet figure will use his deceptive messages to unite all religions and then to urge those entities to comply with the edicts of the world governing body and the Antichrist. Basically to pledge allegiance to that individual. The Bible says they will actually worship the beast. And folks, this is happening right now. There are major religions in the earth that are being weaponized by the world government to push their propaganda and their false narratives, their woke agenda. So Jesus warned us that this would be the case. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ. They're going to be saying, hey, we're Christians. But they're going to be deceiving many. That's Matthew 24, <coughs> uh, verses 4 and 5. Excuse me. So what's the best way to avoid being deceived? Participating in, in such a corrupt endeavor. You have to know the truth. You have to know and understand the Bible. John 8, 32 states, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There are not two truths. There's not your truth and my truth. There's not uh, the, the world governing's truth and then all these other truths that end up at the Parliament of World Religions and all these other things. Uh-uh. There's one truth. John 5.39 says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, 
but, and they are they. These scriptures are the ones that testify of me. Know your Bible, everybody. The Bible is the only book. This is very, very important. The Bible is the only book on the planet that can reveal how many gods there are. And there's just one. There's only one God. The Bible is the only book on the planet that can share the story of that one God's redemptive plan for the human race because we're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. Ever since Adam and Eve, everybody has sinned. But God didn't want us to die, so He created a, uh, He purchased a, a re plan of salvation, a, a redemptive plan for the human race. The Bible is the only book that shares that story. If you believe it's fictitious and just a bunch of myths and fairy tales, you're going to meet that God someday, and you're going to give an account. You say, but ah, I just don't believe in all that. Saying you don't believe in all of it, does, it doesn't mean that you won't be held accountable. doesn't work like that. A lot of people think, well, I'm just going to put God out of my mind. I don't want God in my life, and that's going to make it all right. But it doesn't. I've got to have God at the very center of my life. The Bible is the only book that shows you how to be saved. The Bible is the only book that can teach you how to live as a Christian once you are saved, post your born-again experience, preparing you for your eternal existence. The Bible is the only book that can tell you um, which church is true and which church is false. There are some churches that I absolutely not could not be a member of because they're not teaching the absolute truth. I can't be a part of that church. I've got to be a part of a church that teaches the truth because I want to go to heaven. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the Bible is the only book that provides prophecies written thousands of years ago, which are coming to pass right now. What does that help us do? Build our faith in that book, which has the words to eternal life. So. In the end time, a working knowledge of the Bible is of utmost importance. Why? Well, it is biblical illiteracy that would allow someone to believe the false prophet's deceptive messages and to pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his world governing system. Folks, this is getting ready to hit all of us right in the face. And I've got to know the absolute truth because Jesus said, there will be false prophets and false, and people come along that say, hey, I, I'm Christ. I am of Christ. I'm a Christian. But they'll be teaching a deceptive message. Jesus warned about that in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, over and over and over and over. False prophets, false Christs. He said, don't follow after them. Well, how are you going to know who to follow after if you don't have a working knowledge of the Bible? That's why Bible, at all of our prophecy conferences, every single one I've ever been to, unless the pastor didn't want to do it, every single one I've ever been to, we establish a Bible, an end-time prophecy Bible study in that church. And they get the DVDs, and they show all that, and uh, I'll be going to Winsboro, uh, Louisiana this weekend. And to do a conference. I'll establish a Bible study in that church. Very, very important. So, what did the coming of Jesus to the earth, what did that mean for you and me? Because if we don't understand that, 
you're, you, you're really not going to get off a home plate. I mean, you're just, you're just existing. That's it. Until you meet the end. Until you pass on, go by the way of the grave, or the rapture. That's the only two ways out of here. And so I have to, I've got to understand the question. What did the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, what did that mean for you and me? This redemptive plan of salvation. Now, I know this is going to be a crazy place for me to throw this in here, but before I get off into this, I don't want to cut this in half. Let me mention Birch Gold. You know, the... Um, Birch Gold, when, when you're talking about uh, some of these different th things that the world government's trying to do, these, the, the um, you know, in the, and, the, and also heading to the presidential election, one thing you can be sure of is 2024 is going to be uh, a, a crazy, turbulent year, right? You already see the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store, the dollar continues to lose buying power because, and uh, wages, um, you know, quicker than wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings from globalist policies that are being implemented? Well, consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. And now you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just visit birchgold.com slash endtime and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert maybe an existing IRA or a 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. So with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Visit birchgold.com slash endtime to claim your free info kit. Visit birchgold.com slash endtime and secure your savings now. So here's the question. What did the coming of Jesus to the earth mean for you and me? You say, Dave, I thought we were going to get into world government, world religion, and all this other stuff. No, listen, listen. This is the most absolute important thing. We'll get into some of that. But this is the most absolute important thing I could talk to you about. If you're around us for any period of time, if you hang around me and my wife, our conversation will eventually, I'm going to lead it to, how are you doing? How's your walk with God? How's your relationship with Jesus Christ? It's the absolute, I'm a God-called minister. And so my goal is to say, how are you doing? I mean, I, this is just my life. And so we eventually will get around to the question, talking about what did Jesus Christ do for you 2,000 years ago? What did he do for you and me? And so the answer to this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Can you answer the question? Let me ask you that first. If I was to ask you, if we were to meet up here in my office, we were to go to lunch together, and I asked you a question, what did Jesus Christ do for you 2,000 years ago? What would you say? Do you know? It's, a very, very, it's the most important question you can answer in your life. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, so important, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. You say, hold on a second. I didn't think that was possible. I'm reading you from the Bible. This is the words of God. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Now, you say, how in the world does that work? Well, it goes on to say, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, <clears throat> we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech us, or I should say beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead that ye be reconciled to God. This is the goal of all of it. Jesus Christ came to reconcile us to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who, he, who knew no sin. He had never sinned, but he took our sins upon him that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You say, wow, Dave, now that's a lot. Look, I understand, but I'm going to try to boil it down to a sentence because, folks, if you can get this and understand this, wow, you talk about changing your life. So when verse 17 says, I can become a new creature. Again, everybody was born in sin, shape, and iniquity. Everybody. If you are... If you're listening to me today and you say, well, I've never sinned, okay, we need to have another conversation offline. Everybody has sinned. But the Bible says I can become a new creature. Does that literally mean Jesus can turn a lost human being? Everybody starts out lost. Now, I, I, I don't like that, but that's just how it is. When Adam and Eve entered, and when, that, when they sinned, the human race starts out lost. But does this verse 17 literally mean that Jesus Christ can turn a lost human being into a brand new person, totally rearrange their life, and they can have a brand new leash on life? Doesn't matter what they've done in the past, God can give them a brand new start. They can be literally born again. Yes, it does because it happened to me and it can happen to you. I've, a lot of people think that they're in a situation that, oh, I can't get out of it. I'm stuck. Satan would love you to believe that you're just going to be the way you are the rest of your life and that's how it is. There's no hope for me. I heard a song the other day and, uh, on the radio and man, I'm trying to remember where I heard it, but the guy said, um, I'm a lost cause. And the the uh, and I thought lost cause man that guy th th there are no lost causes with God and I, I I I when it happened to me I've never been the same since the day that I was born again now I'm not talking about some kind of an imagined pseudo experience some figment of my imagination that happened. You know, I'm talking about a genuine spiritual experience that happened to me over 40 years ago. And it changed my life forever. You say, well, have you been a perfect person since then? No, I haven't. I'm just being transparent with you guys. 
I ha I've done some foolish things since that experience. I was a 13-year-old kid. But the thing is, I never got away from that original experience to the point where it wouldn't draw. When I was doing some not-so-nice things in my life, I would always think, man, on the way home, I would think, man, yeah, I, sh I shouldn't be living like this. I mean, I'd, I'm making mistakes right and left, and, you know, I, I, I know what's right, and I shouldn't be living like this. I mean, have you ever been in that turmoil and thought, man, uh, I know how to live, but I'm not living right? Okay, everybody's been through this. So, before I truly experienced Christ, I lived a life of condemnation and guilt. You say at 13 years old, oh yeah, I lived a whole life and done a lot of junk before I was 13 years old. And my parents split when I was six years old and we lived a horrendous life for a long time before I was 13. Um, and it was, it was, you know, could be a unique at, at times. But the thing is, I had condemnation and guilt on me. Done some things I shouldn't have done before I was 13. And so, and I know many of you have done, been there as well. And I always thought, well, you know, God's angry with me. God doesn't love me. God hates me. He's, he re, he's just anxious to punish me and send me to hell because of the stuff I've done. That's a lie from Satan. God is not sitting over you with a billy club in one hand, a bullwhip in another, thinking, I'm just going to punish you for eternity. Yeehaw. That's what I'm here to do. No, no. You've got a totally different view of God. God came and died so you could be born again and live with Him for eternity. But yet Satan would love to get you tricked into a mindset that says, oh man, I, I've done some things and God just doesn't love me. That is absolutely not true. I'm here to tell you, if you can hear my voice right now, or if you watch this online around the world over the next few days, which a lot of people do, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. You say, I don't think anybody loves me. That's not true. That's Satan trying to trick your mind and getting you, putting you in a prison in your mind. That is absolutely not true. You say, Dave, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I do not care what you've done, and neither does God. God loves you. God knows everybody's been a sinner. But God loves you so much that He came and suffered and died and purchased a plan of salvation so you could be saved. So God's not angry with me and hating me and wants to punish me. He came and died so He didn't have to. But verse 18 said, and we just went through it, that I could be reconciled to God. So, I know we're coming up on a break here, but we're going to talk about what it means to be reconciled with God. Because, what are we talking about here today? What should you be watching for? Jesus Christ said, watch and be sober, because in an hour that you think not, your Lord does come. So the most important thing in your life, am I ready to meet Him? Have I been reconciled to Him? A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me, and I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment 
of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 end time. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Okay, welcome back, everybody. And so we're looking here at verse 18. And it talks about us being reconciled to God. What does the word reconciled mean? Well, you know, if you've ever taken any Latin, you learn that the Latin word concilio means to bring together. Okay? The prefix re means again. So the word reconcile means to bring together again. So the Bible says we can be brought together again with God. All of us were separated from God by sin. But this scripture says that we can be reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. So how in the world does that work? Well, it, it actually seemed like the harder I tried to find peace with God as a kid, because I had a, a desire to live for God, uh, but I didn't really know, you know, my mom had been in church when I was a real, real little kid. So I kind of remember some stuff and then she kind of, she went away from it for a while. And so I always thought, I went to her one time and I said, when are we ever going to go back to church? As a, as a nine, 10 year old kid. And we ended up going back to church and she ended up going to Irvin Baxter's church. That's how I met all these guys. And ended up marrying his youngest daughter, Jana. But the thing is, I dealt, I dealt with guilt because I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't the best child, <laughs> let's say. So it seemed like the harder I tried to find peace with God, the more I wrestled with condemnation. Oh man, you do this and devil will come to you right near you, blah, blah, blah. Look what you did. Ha ha, God hates your guts. I wrestled with that. Well, I found the big secret in verse 19 here. The Bible says that... Um, it says, God reconciled us unto himself by not imputing our trespasses to us. What does it mean when it says, God will not impute our trespasses to us? Because I want to be in that state, don't you? I make a mistake and God won't impute that to me. You say, wow, man, can you get there? Yeah, you actually can. The word impute means to place on the account of or to, um, to attribute to, let's say. Well, the secret is that 
once we are in Christ by being born again, God will no longer impute our trespasses to us. You say, well, that's not fair. How, how could that possibly be? Well, verse 21 explains it all. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He had never sinned. But he, uh, he was made sin for us that he might be made the righteousness of God, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So our sins are imputed to him and his righteousness is imputed to us. So if you let the devil lie to you and say, well, God just doesn't love me. You, are you kidding me? This is why you got to have a, 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 an understanding of the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. Because God loves you so much he came and died. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than a man would lay down his life. So, Jesus never sinned. But he loved us so much that he volunteered for our sins to be imputed to him. So that his righteousness could be imputed to us. You remember when he was in the garden and he was praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What cup was he talking about? It was the cup of sin. It wasn't the, um, the experience of Calvary that he was saying, oh no, I'm scared to die. No, no, I don't want to do that. No, no, that's not what he was saying. He was talking about the cup of sin that he would drink and all of our sins be placed on him. He had never sinned one time. Imagine that. So he's getting ready to feel the God-forsaken feeling of every adulterer, every child molester, every thief, every liar, every person that commits extortion. I mean, you just name it. All the horrific sins, any sin. God is fixing to feel the effects of all that on the human mind all at once. And so he was saying, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He came to die for us. So our, when you're born again, your sins are imputed to him and his righteousness is imputed to you. So uh, let me see. I want to make sure you get it. Let me, let me try to make it uh, super simple. So there was a law that ruled the human race from Adam and Eve until Jesus Christ. It's called the law of sin and death. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's defined in Ezekiel 18.4. Uh, it says, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son of mine. Here it is. This is the law of sin and death. The soul that sins, which all of us have, it shall die. Well, there it is. The soul that sins, it's got to die. It's called the law of sin and death. So, all of us, every human being that's ever lived, lived under the law of sin and death. The soul that sins, it's got to die. However, God loved us so much, He didn't want us to die. I feel like I need to just keep hold right here because there's a lot of people that think, God doesn't love me. I've committed some horrific things in my life, some sins and... Um, but that does not mean that God, you're the one that God died for. All of us. God knew that we had sinned. He doesn't like the sin, but it doesn't mean he hates you, doesn't love you. He loves you. He came and died for you. So, 
He designed a, he didn't want us to die, so he designed a plan to save us from the law of sin and death. So he said, I'm going to become a man and I'm going to be tempted like every other human being. However, I'm not going to yield to those temptations. I will live a sinless life. And consequently, I'm not, I won't deserve to die. But I will trick Satan into killing me anyway. And when Satan kills me, he will have broken the law of sin and death, since only the soul that sins must die. And once the law of sin and death is broken by Satan, it will no longer be in force. That's why the Bible says that um, if the princes of this world would have known who Jesus Christ really was, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. They thought he was just a physical human being. And he was a physical human being, but he was begotten of God. He was, begot he was um, born of a virgin birth. He was a, a very, very miraculous. He was God in a fleshly form. Satan thought he was just a physical, like the rest of us, not, not a dual nature. Because I'm, I'm flesh and spirit, but Jesus Christ was flesh and spirit as well, but the spirit inside of him was God Almighty. So, Romans 8, 1 through 2 explains it like this. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, those individuals who have been born again, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, when you are born again, you don't owe the bill of sin any longer, which is only paid by death. Jesus paid our bill through His death. Well, we now have a promise of eternal life. So the answer in simple language is simply this. God robed himself inside of a human body at Bethlehem. He lived a sinless life and then chose to die in my place. And that means I don't have to die and I now have the wonderful gift of eternal life. So, to believe that, I go back to this article that I read this morning, to believe that the Bible is a work of fiction or just a bunch of fairy tales and myths. To believe the Bible is a work of fiction is to deprive oneself of the only plan of salvation available to mankind today, and that is to be born again. Uh, Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. He said, are you got to be, what are you talking about being born again? Do I got to enter again in my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, Ugh. He said, except you're born of the water and the spirit, uh, then you can't enter or see the kingdom of God. He said, in verse 7 it says, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. You say, Dave, how in the world am I born again? Well, uh, go to endtime.com slash reborn and you can read all about it. I've only got probably, what, 18 minutes here left. So I want to make sure you get all the verses and everything that goes along with it uh, to explain all that. And endtime.com slash reborn. Go there, read the article, and then contact us, whatever you want to do, however you want to contact us, email drobbins at endtime.com, dnorvell at endtime.com, and we, we can help you facilitate whatever you need to do, whatever questions you have, and we will help you be 
to be reborn because we want you to make it in the rapture or should the Lord call you home tomorrow? Okay? Now, you say, man, Dave, wow, that, there was a lot to that. Yeah, there is a lot to it. And I want to make sure you get it because we're, we're talking about the things we should be watching for. Okay, so I'm coming up on a break here, but I think I can mention our next, next sponsor really quick. Uh, and that is Ready Pantry. I mean, think about this. With everything going on in the world and the, the grocery stores and supply chains and everything, what if there was a way that you could have an affordable supply, uh, emergency supply of food in your closet or in a cellar or something somewhere? Well, there is. ReadyPantry.com slash endtime offers amazing 25-year shelf-stable food. It includes breakfast, lunch, dinners, desserts, all kinds of stuff, not to mention the peace of mind you get knowing you have that emergency supply of food ready for anything, a, a power outage, hurricanes, grid collapses, I mean war, the list goes on and on and on and on. So Ready Pantry, American-based company, all products are sourced right here in America, and they're offering discounts of up to 20% off for three to 12 month supplies of food. Go to readypantry.com slash endtime, use code endtime, and, and save an additional 10% off on all your orders. And they never charge for shipping. And, the, and uh, so go to uh, readypantry.com slash endtime today and get some of this food. It helps out endtime and you also got that peace of mind knowing that it's back there. Okay, so with the time I have left, let me talk to you a little bit here about something else we should be watching, and that's world government efforts and precursors to the mark of the beast. I'll tie it all into one here. According to the World Economic Forum's website, the World Economic Forum's, and, I, and I'm going to kind of play off of something that I talked to you about yesterday about the internet of things, the internet of everything, and electric vehicles. What in the world is all this stuff all about? Well, According to the World Economics Forum's website, the World Economic Forum, they're meeting right now in Davos, Switzerland, the Internet of Things for Sustainable Development, these projects aim to encourage the use of the Internet of Things to accelerate progress on the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Again, that's the United Nations Socialistic Blueprint to govern the world. The World Economic Forum is thick as thieves with the United Nations. So, to achieve this goal, the project explores scalable and replicable models of business, investment, and collaboration across industries and with public authorities to support the design of commercially viable Internet of Thing deployment that can maximize their social value potential. Now, we're going to get deep off into this because the Internet of Everything, I guarantee you, it's affecting everybody listening to me right now. The Internet of Things the internet of everything, and you need to be watching for it and aware of it. We're going to talk about it when we get back from the break. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
time is not going anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I want to let you know that I will be in Winsboro, Louisiana, uh, this coming weekend. That's going to be Saturday, January, or I'm sorry, it's going to be Sunday, Sunday only, uh, January 21st. I'll be at the Winsboro UPC 2510 Loop Road, and that's in Winsboro, Louisiana. Sunday, January 21st at 10.30 a.m., I'll be teaching the new lesson, The Green Horseman of World War III. Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, I'll be doing the new Breaking Prophecy News, and we'll be having a, a, uh, a, a bit of an evangelistic service there as well. So if you need a touch from the Lord, uh, you've never received the Holy Ghost, you need to be healed, I mean, whatever you need. If you've never been baptized, whatever, come to the conference this weekend, and um, we'll believe in the Lord to do a, a mighty work there. So, okay, the Internet of Everything. A lot of things are happening in the world. A lot of people, it's not even, it, it just, it's just going by them and they don't even have a clue what's going on. I bought a humidifier the other day. My wife had bronchitis. I bought a humidifier to put in our bedroom. And when I turned it on, it one, uh, uh, when I uh, was reading through the instructions, rather, it said, please connect this to Wi-Fi. I'm like, why do I need to connect this crazy thing to Wi-Fi? I bought a Keurig coffee maker for home. And it asked me to turn the, to connect it to Wi-Fi. I'm like, this is crazy. So, we'll talk about the Internet of Everything and precursors to the 666 Antichrist system and world government. So, in twos, it's a, a news source. There was an article, The Role of inter the Internet of, of Things in the Electric Vehicle Industry. So, that says that there are challenges. One of the challenges is this data security and privacy with an electric vehicle because the Internet of Things technology is gathering and transmitting vast amounts of data in the electric vehicle industry. It's vital to implement robust security measures on, to protect user data from unauthorized access and cyber attacks. It's all about going on to this digital ID system, going completely digital, away from cash, away from vehicles that can't be tracked, going away from old flip phones to smartphones. Everything's smart, 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 right? So it makes you feel smart, right? Hey, I'm, I'm smart. I got all these gadgets and all these other things. But the thing is, it's all about control, tracking, and all this other stuff. And furthermore, privacy regulations, they, those things must be followed. Um, ensuring sensitive user data is handled appropriately and confidentially. Because folks, if you don't know it by now, there are people that are tracking every single thing you do. Every time you use a debit card, there are people that are tracking your digital footprint. Everything. I know where Dave Robbins buys gas. I know where his wife shops. I know and gets groceries. I know what, you know, everything you do digital, it's track, 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 everything. So think about having a connected morning. I mean, one day soon your alarm clock will know the date and time of your meeting and your car is already going to know the best route to take. So you, your heat will turn on 30 minutes before 
the alarm kicks on so that your bathroom is warm as your car will start while you're in the shower. Everything's connected, right? Finally, your car will tell your coffee machine to brew while you get dressed. And the connected things in this example, that's just a small sample of the numerous smart devices. Dave, connect all this stuff to the Wi-Fi. But it's just a small sample of these smart devices that they're, in the long run, they want, they're expected to experience explosive growth worldwide. Uh, a giant global network forming, which will soon expand from the Internet of Things to the Internet of Everything. Hey, Dave Robbins, is he's doing this article on this, and he's doing this television program because he's getting ready to go to Israel in a couple weeks, and then uh, he's going to be traveling back through this country, and then blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's just, it's the connect, everything's connected. Some of the most noticeable connected items already available today might be, for example, electric vehicles, connected, voice-activated assistance, appliances, uh, health monitoring devices, road sensors, public safety, um, security devices, smart meters, personal fitness trackers. I mean, it, the list goes on forever. Everything's connected, and it's tracking, and it's just kind of closing in like a big net, right? Am I getting you scared? Are you scared yet? I'm not scared because I know I serve Jesus Christ, and, it, and it, he's not worried about it, neither am I. But this stuff's coming, right? I mean, there was a guy named Dan McGarry. He's the media director at Ventado Daily Post, and he said, connection is inevitable. So much of human experience is based outside of the human being these days, and you can't be a functioning adult, in his opinion, and remain unconnected. He's saying you can't even function in society unless you're connected. <coughs> I mean, <clears throat> used to, I functioned with no cell phone. I remember that back when I was in high school. We didn't have cell phones back then. But I functioned fine, right? I got a good education, went to, I mean, everything was fine. Got me a job, worked a job, lived my life. No cell phones. But now people don't think they can function without their cell phone. You got, I got to be connected. I, I got at all, I mean, every second of the day, I got to have my cell phone on me. I got to check the weather and the Facebook. And I got, you know, somebody might post something that got by me. Oh, man, that's just going to ruin my world. I didn't see that post. Somebody got a new hairdo. What are we going to do? So it's connection, connection, connection. And we're being programmed that I've got to be connected. I've got to have my coffee maker be able to talk to my car, right? Five trillion dollars is going to be spent on the Internet of Things over the next five years. Gartner Incorporated, they forecast that 8.4 billion connected things will be in use in a worldwide. That was all the way back in 2017, though. BI Intelligence, the research service from Business Insider, projects that there will be 22.5 billion devices collecting information back in 2021. So we're, we're way past. Our homes, our cities, our bodies are being quantified, digitized, and connected, capturing data that can be used to measure and control the world around us. It's becoming increasingly difficult to opt out of the process, right? 
I mean, smartphones, CCTV cameras, biometric sensors, virtual assistants comprehensively harvest information about our whereabouts, uh, performance, preferences, associations, uh, activities, physical and mental health. It's all moving on this giant connected digital platform. And there's somebody pulling the strings and turning the knobs on all of this. Sensors in cars. I got sensors all over my car. And most of it I don't like. I like driving my truck because there's hardly any sensors in it. But these sensors in cars, home thermostats, um, heart monitors, can they instantly transmit our symptoms to our doctor, habits uh, and behavior to manufacturers, our medical uh, personnel, retailers, who, whoever else wants to purchase the information, they can get it on you and me. Uh, BI Intelligence, they estimate that corporations will spend about $5 trillion on the internet in the next five years. Five with a T, everybody, trillion. So you say, Internet of Things, Dave, what are you really talking about? Well, the Internet of Things is basically the concept, any smart device, it is connected to any other smart device over a network so that they can talk to each other. And this includes everything from cell phones, coffee makers, washing machines, headphones, lamps, wearable devices, almost anything you can think of would be connected. This is where they want to go. Well, so that's the Internet of Things. Well, what about the Internet of Everything? Well, that expands to connectivity into a more complex system that also includes people and processes. Now it's not just your coffee maker and your humidifier. It will be you as well. Um, Cisco. It defines the Internet of Everything as the intelligent connection of people, processes, data, and things. There's um, technology experts. They say that people, uh, part of the formula, should be the overriding issue. Since the whole point of environments in business and industry should be to ultimately make people's lives better. So we've got to connect you to machines, right? So we've got to keep data on all this. The Internet of Things versus the Internet of Everything. Well, these are important differences between the Internet of Things and the Internet of Everything because um, the Internet of Things takes many different types of devices and connects them to an Internet-like private network. The Internet of Everything adds two-way communications between people and things and between things and other things. Now, that sounds crazy, but this is what they're all trying to do. It sends information back and forth directly over the Internet. The Internet of Everything, these devices can not only send data, they can also receive data and then do things based on the information they have received. This person's preference is to get up at 6 o'clock and he likes his shower at this temperature and he likes his car with the heat set at this, but his wife likes to shower at this temperature and she likes the heat set at this and he goes to work at 10, she takes the car uh, and is going to drop him off this morning because I heard him talking last night. It's, but there's somebody listening to all this, folks. There's somebody collecting all this data. And the Internet of Everything, the devices built into almost anything, can 
record information, send that data to a computer and respond to the instructions which the computer sends back. With the Internet of Everything, we can now have Internet-controlled air conditioners, Internet-controlled cars operating autonomously. That is without human interaction. Cisco explains that the distinction between the Internet of Things and the Internet of Everything in this manner, and I'm quoting here, in some ways you can see the Internet of Things as the equivalent of a rail, railroad line, including the tracks and the connections, whereas the Internet of Everything is all of that, the, the, the train, the tickets, the, the machines, the, the ticket machines, the staff, the customers, weather conditions, everything, the Internet of Everything connected. We know what the weather's going to be, and so we got to do this to the car. It needs to be set up this way, and they're all talking to each other. The problem is, is that somebody is going to watch all of this. What do you think they want to collect your data for? Why? It's all about control. They want, number one, they'll say, well, we're just, you know, we may market to a certain person because we know where you buy groceries and we know what kind of food you like, so we're going to start putting uh, Doritos on your Facebook page as, you know, different things. It'll start off as that. But think about it when we get to a Mark of the Beast type situation where if you're living in a smart city, you got a smart car, you got a smart phone, you got a smart toaster, a smart uh, washer and a smart dishwasher and you got a smart everything and a smart bank account and a smart and uh, you know you're just so smart you're too smart for your own good right a smart watch the thing is the Bible says the Antichrist will eventually usurp authority over a fully functioning economic global economic sanctioning system when everything you do is tied into electronics and the internet of everything and the internet of things Imagine the control that somebody could wield if they could be the one behind all of that. So it's something to watch for, something I wanted to bring to your attention. Talk about more tomorrow.